So today, um, we are recognizing and honoring and roasting some of our recently retired folks at our lunch at 11.30 a.m., and I hope a lot of you are coming to that. This is uh, just the first of a couple of events. We're going to have another lunch just like this in August because we have a number of folks who are retiring. I, I counted up um, those that I can think of who had just recently retired as well as those I believe are retiring this year. And I think we have something like eight to 10 people retiring all at one time. Now that is a pretty high percentage for a congregation of our size, wouldn't you say? So in honor of all you folks who are about to retire, I've got some one-liners. So uh, how do you know that you're old enough to retire? You stop lying about your age, you start bragging about it. <laughs> Why do retirees smile all the time? Because they can't hear a word you are saying. <laughs> True. <laughs> Why don't retirees mind being called seniors? Because the term comes with a 10% discount. <laughs> you know, sometimes when we retire, I think we, we, we think, well, golly, now I'm free. <laughs> now I can do whatever I want to do. And you know, there is a truth about that. I mean, we have the opportunity to do perhaps things that we had not been able to do before. Maybe there are old habits that we can pick up again. Maybe there are new things that we can try. And we have time. We have time for one another. We have time for our, our families, our children, our grandchildren. And, and those are blessed gifts. Those are blessed things. But I want you to know, you retirees, you do not retire from the call of God. God still has a claim on your life for bigger things. Jack Stotts, who for years was president of Austin Theological Seminary, wrote an article about retirement, and in it he puts it like this. He says, there is no retiring from the call of God. What there is, he writes, is finding other ways of exercising that call. Now for me, that just means it's a transition. Right? It's a transition from one season of life to another season of life. And it's a transition where we lay down some things. We maybe lay down that routine of work every single day, and then we're able to take up new things, and we're able to experience gifts that God has yet to give us. Well, here's where I'm going with this, you all. Do you realize that churches go through transitions like this as well? That churches have times when, when, when we move from one season of ministry one way of going about our church to another time where God opens up new possibilities. God leads us in, in new ways. There are times where sometimes we have to lay down old habits, old traditions, old ways that we've had, and, and we make room so that we take in new things in new ways. Is that sort of transition easy? Nah, not at all. Transitions are never easy. Many people think retirement's easy. Uh, everybody I talk to says there is a time of adjustment. There is a time of challenge as well as blessing. It's not easy. So the question I want to raise this morning is how do you make a transition? How do you move from one season of your life? And not all of us are in retirement age, you know, so but we're making transitions. How do you move from one season of life to another season of life? How does church move from one phase of being church to another phase 
of being church. See, that's, that's what the scripture is about this morning. It's, it's about a time that early Christians made a dramatic transition. They made a dramatic change from being a church that was primarily composed of people who were Jewish heritage and Jewish background, who were raised on all the hundreds of Jewish laws and rules, the food laws, who practiced circumcision. And over the years, the church actually transitioned and changed to be a church that was very different from that, where food laws weren't all that important, where circumcision was replaced by baptism, and where most of the people in the church weren't of Jewish descent. They were actually people from all different kinds of backgrounds. John the Apostle, writing a few years later, you know, has this vision of what, what it's going to be like in heaven. That was the, the revelation that Joe read this morning. He has this vision. And he sees a multitude. You remember it said he saw a multitude. But it wasn't a multitude of Jewish folks alone. It was a multitude of all kinds of people. It said from every race and every nation and every language and every tribe. See, God, God enabled those early Christians to make this transition. And it was a blessing. It was a blessing, but how did they do it? See, that's the key. How, how did Peter do it? Because Peter was the one that this, this story is focused on. He was the leader of the church at this time. How did he, how did they make this transition? And how do you and I, if you're about to retire or you have retired, how are you going to make this transition from one phase of life to another? As a church, how are we going to transition? You know, we, we are an older congregation. Just since I've been your pastor, you know, there have been those who died. Some have moved on. We are in a time of change. But how are we going to do it? Two things I think this scripture teaches us. We can open up to new seasons in life. New seasons and new ways of being church. When it's God who is leading the change. When it's God who's leading the transition. Now think about this. There's no way. In a million years, that Peter would have ever, ever, ever gone to the home of a Gentile man. It was taboo among those who were Jewish folks. It was taboo by some of the Old Testament laws. There's no way he would have ever done that. Except he was nudged by God. And this guy, listen, this guy that he went to see... He was a Roman soldier on top of the fact that he was a Gentile. He was a commander of, of the occupying army that was oppressing the people in that section of the Middle East. Most Jewish people hated folks like that. Wouldn't have anything to do with people like that. How did Peter do this? He did it because he believed he was being led by God. God was leading this transition. He said, look, he said, I saw this vision. God gave it to me. And in it, God showed me that all foods were okay and also all people as well. And he said, look, the, the guy over there and that I went to see, he had a vision as well. He saw, he saw an angel. And, the, and as a result of that, he sent representatives to me. So I took a risk to go with them because it seemed like God was in it. He said, I got to their house. I found out what they wanted. They wanted to know about Jesus 
I start talking to them, and all of a sudden, God sends down the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. It came on these Gentiles. It came on this Roman man, Peter is saying, just like it came on all of us. How could I oppose God? So that's, that's, how, that's how the change comes about. It's God leading the way. So, Henry Blackaby in his book, Experiencing God, tells about a church. Church had a great ministry. Been, been very active. Big church. But over the years, congregation had gotten smaller, smaller, fewer and fewer people. Finally got so few people in the church, they decided they needed to close the church. But as one last gift for the community, somebody had asked, they decided that they would go and hold a small vacation Bible school in the community center in the neighborhood near the church. So people would ask them to do. So they did. In the midst of that vacation Bible school, they discovered, they didn't realize this, they discovered there were only single moms and children living right in the neighborhood around the church. They hadn't realized that they were there. That all these moms and kids just, just needed encouragement. They just needed love. They needed support. Hey, and it was an older group in the church. They could do that. They could love. They could support. They could encourage. After vacation Bible school was up, some of those moms and kids started coming to the church. And you know what happened? This church that was about to close, they made that decision, actually discovered they were having a new beginning. They started all over again. Now that's what happens when God leads transition. That's what happens when God leads change. But there's another piece of it. It's not just that God shows us, God leads us, God guides us. Is that it's also that we have a part. We have a responsibility to respond in whatever direction we believe God is leading. Oh, I heard a silly, silly story. You know how I like dumb stories. This, this guy goes into a, a church and he gets down on his knees and he prays. He said, God, you know, I know I need to change and I promise I will change if you will just let me win the lottery. And, yeah, right. <laughs> so he, he goes away. Nothing happens that week. He comes back. He says, God, he said, I'm promising you that I will change if you will just let me win the lottery. He goes away. Nothing happens. So he comes back third week. He said, God, I, I have not won the lottery. He said, are you not listening to me? Are you avoiding me? And this big voice comes from heaven and says, I am not avoiding you, my son. You have to meet me halfway. Go buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> now, look, I don't necessarily recommend that. It's a, it's a great way either to listen to God or follow God. But it does make the point that we have a part. We have a part in it. Isn't it interesting how Peter responds in this situation? Now, I don't know how you think about Peter, but I think about Peter as bold and brash and uh, egotistical and always, you know, sort of trying to get his way. But in this account of Peter, Peter, <laughs> Peter is about as humble as I've ever seen. He is literally willing to shut his mouth and to listen to God. And there's this vision that come and comes and he pays attention to it. So that when the guys show up from the Roman soldier, 
He's willing to take a risk. Now think the kind of courage and humility it took to do that. He just says, okay, I don't know for sure, but I think God's in this. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to give it a try. And he goes to this man where this Roman soldier was. He goes in, he listens to what they what they want, and so he starts telling them about Jesus. He preaches a sermon, guys, and right in the middle of the sermon, he stops because God is doing something. Now, I want to tell you, when a pastor stops in the middle of the sermon, stops preaching, that's God at work. <laughs> it was an amazing thing. See how he was responding? See how he was taking a risk? See how he was listening and learning? Not so much from folks within the circle of faith, but he was learning from people outside the faith. So, okay. Do I know what the, the next chapter is for Normandy Presbyterian Church? I, I want to tell you clearly, I do not have a line to God on this. I, I don't know. I see our church as an amazingly gifted congregation. We have so such a rich history. We have so many things going for us. Discernment is never something that one person can do by himself or herself. It's not anything a pastor can do. It's not anything a session can do. We have to do this together. We find God's way together. And discerning is always the issue. We have to ask, you know, is this... Is this some dumb person's bright idea? Is this Tom Bagley's bright idea that's not God's idea? You know, pastors can sort of push ideas and push things. We have to discern whether it's God's thing. That's, that's where we are. We have to discern. But where God is leading, here's what I know. Where God is leading and where you and I are willing to follow by listening by taking some risks, trying new things, by going to new places, I'm convinced that God is going to show us amazing things and the next chapter that God has planned for this church and our ministry. Now I want to challenge you. Just, just challenge you. So one thing that I think that I believe God is doing is I believe God has stirred up the Methodist Church and the Baptist Church and the Presbyterians to work together. Isn't that a miracle, honestly, that three churches that are often so different are actually working together for the purpose of connecting with our community? And not just the city, but connecting even beyond in the Normandy area. I don't know for sure, but I think God's in it. I think these events, the, the music and, and food event, I think that a worship service that we're planning jointly in public, I believe God is in that. And I want to challenge you to come help us discern whether there's anything in this that is of God. That there might be something that we can learn from people in our community about the future that God has planned. One thing I know, whatever it is that God has next for you in your life, for me in my life, and for us together as God's people, it is going to be exciting, it is going to be joyful, and it will be a blessing greater than you and I have ever imagined.
So my sister retired this time last year. She was a school teacher, been at it a bunch of years, said she needed a change. So she retired. My mom and dad, you know, they're, they're 90s, they're having some challenges, so she wanted to be able to help them. Her husband's retired. She wanted to be able to have time with him. That's why she retired. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, she's crazy. She's so active. There's no way that she's going to be happy with this. There's no way that she's going to be satisfied. But boy, have I been wrong. God stirred her up. She and her husband have uh, started a new ministry in their church for young adults and young families. And this group, which has not been very many in their church now, is beginning to grow. They've gotten involved out in the community. They've been in Leadership Lincoln and have discovered so many places and ways that the church could be involved. We had a little birthday party for a couple of weeks ago and we had a cake. Somebody forgot the, the candles. But we sang happy birthday anyway and she pretended to blow the candles out. And then she looked at us and she smiled and she said, you know, this last year has been one of the best years of my entire life. That's what happens when people follow God and remain open to God's new thing. May that be so of us. May that be true of us. For whatever transition in life you are in and whatever transition we may be in as a congregation, praise be to God Almighty. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.